everyone. Channeling Tom Ryman there. If you listen to Gamefully Unemployed, welcome to Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. I'm one of your intrepid hosts, Michael Swaim. And with me is... Abe Epperson, as always. That's true. Always. We're never far from one another. And no, uh, it's true. And we have a special guest with us today, our resident wuxia expert. Please uh, state your business, sir. <laughs> my, my business is I'm just a dorky white guy who likes kung fu movies. And I guess I guess that makes me the wuxia expert. But um, hey, what, does that make me the right guy for today's movie? No. I, I don't fucking know. I don't You're know. You're definitely not the right guy. Some commenters <laughs> took issue with us calling it wuxia, saying that wuxia more refers to not the magical wire work leaping through the air motif, but the classic, like, uh, hero's journey, like the, the Campbell. I uh, thought we touched on that. Yeah. Did we? Uh, uh, no, if you're talking about... Eh, if you're talking about a kung fu movie that has any of those elements <laughs> in it, it is... Like, calling yeah. anything that... Anything that includes the Jianghu motif of, like, the rivers and lakes and shit is wuxia. If, we, uh, if we're talking about Kung Fu Hustle still, like, sure. there's a solid argument for, yes, it's wuxia in a modernistic setting. If we're talking about this movie, I don't fucking know what this is, but I All like right. it. Well, I guess my broad <laughs> point is we could be uh, wrong about nuanced terms and in fact borderline like i don't know problematic but we're super not trying to be we're trying to show an appreciation for the form um so we'll do our best and i also wanted to say that this film is brought to you via our pick the flick tier uh and our patron jack quigley so thank you to jack quigley amazing surname i hope it's real Um, for asking Alex back and for uh, giving us this film which is entitled The Legend of the Mountain 1979 Uh, uh, directed by uh, King Hu I believe yeah, I believe we were yeah. talking about it earlier. It's and, when I when I yeah. looked him up online. So he's originally, I think, from Beijing. So like, I think Hu would sound like who, but then again, like Mike disclaimed earlier, uh, I could be fucking ignorant. We could I be haven't super studied wrong. Mandarin in years, so um, just know I'm trying, y'all. Yeah, yeah, and he's super well known. Uh, I've only ever read his name, but mm-hmm. I've read it a lot. Yeah. He's known as like a martial arts legend he definitely was important in the like earlier in the earlier eras of like hong kong cinema he was super important and he kind of fucked off to do shit elsewhere Mm -hmm. um but like come drink with me and dragon gate Inn are both seminal uh and super influential to everything else like um you know the the fighting in the tea house thing that happens in every kung fu movie like that's a Mm -hmm. come drink with me uh, thing it might have been around before or, it, but that was yeah. yeah, it was super popular there. And those are the only movies I knew from the dude. Uh, well, and so, I don't know about you guys. There are multiple cuts online. The cut I watched was three hours and twelve minutes, I think. And, oh, uh, and all ASMR, all of it. Oh, it's very mm. yeah, it's very tactile. It's very. Uh, it actually reminded me of late sixties American movies like Easy Rider and stuff hmm. where super yeah. like um psychedelic colors and if you're into slow pacing and plot points that are sort of oh spaced out God. very evenly you can just it's a good chill out movie um 
But I would say, because with the pick the flick tier, and I mean nothing but appreciation for the patrons who like introduce us to new things. That's half the reason we do the show. But at the same time, uh, our general thing is we we list movies that we've seen before throughout our lives and vetted and guests pick from that list. So when it comes to pick the flicks, I do like to give a little encapsulated review in case listeners are considering watching it. And I would say it is well done. Uh, and it's very like interesting if you're interested in film as a visual medium. And if you're the type of person who can watch, let's say, Psycho, and even though it's not scary by modern standards, appreciate how it originated all these tropes in a genre you love like horror. Because my main takeaway from it, and I don't want people to go into it not knowing it's this, was that I was like, it makes me want to watch Hero, but Hero owes everything mm. to this. So you know what I mean? It's it's like an appreciation of the early days of, the, of a genre. The way yeah. um, Zhang Yimou used colors, you're saying? Yeah, I thought it was so interesting how you got to see in this film the sort of analog version of the color timing, the digital color timing that will become so important mm. in these types of movies later on. Uh, this was like, I mean, I could see the editors in the workshop putting gels over the film, you know, to create some of the visual effects, and I love that. There's such an attention to, like, the halation of light, the shape and position of lens flares. It's super compositional and super visual. Uh, and then from a story perspective, for me, it just sort of felt like um, almost a Marvel movie, honestly, or an Aesop's fable, uh, but like a parable with only like five plot points stretched out over three hours if you and 12 watch minutes. some film you'll notice that it seems like the first like three or four like i don't even know what to call them acts because i'm more of a western it's uh, structured studied. differently as well it's, yeah yeah but it is a hero's journey so it does share a lot there's like big venn diagrams of structure but um when you look at it they have these long edited sequences of flora and fauna that usually cover just like over usually the flute right, character's music. music. Yeah. And so you're not sure if it's non-diegetic or diegetic. You're not sure if you're, this is what he hears when he listens to the mountain or this is just for us when we're watching the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but he, I don't know what those sequences mean. And that's something I wanted to ask you guys is other than like just being in touch with nature and just the co basic concept of like, uh, here is a place, I'm telling you a story, the serenity of the valley is still the serenity of valley, despite the fact that there are ghosts. You know, like, to take a beat Spoiler every now and then. Everyone in this movie is a ghost. Uh, yeah. Everyone except I, so, one. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, except that's, the one guy. It's interesting, Abe, that you point out that the structure is not familiar feeling in some ways, but in other ways it's very familiar. Like, exactly. doesn't this feel like... Little Red Riding Hood in the sense that Melody is the big bad wolf in sheep's clothing. And uh -huh. at the same time, it's Alice in Wonderland. He, There seems to be this implication that he could have dreamed it all until the last yeah. sequence. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I really was not... That threw me at the last sequence where like he wakes up and is it a dream or is it not? That honestly just got me a little bummed. Right. Well, it's right. it's I, like a fairy tale. He gets sleepy perchance in the exact same physical spot right. he got sleepy in right. before. And you're like, I the know where this is going. 
<laughs> yeah. So I let me let me real quick say what happens in this Please. movie. Right. Um, so this movie is a purported. They say in the beginning to be based off like a, a Chinese fable. So there is a, a a guy. The first thing we learn about this guy, and it's not really addressed that much, is that he's a doofus. So he is a scholar, but he's not smart enough to like pass his imperial exams, which is like. Uh, Chinese dynastic system was somewhat uh, what's the meritocracy. So like even if you were poor, as long as you were good at like studies and shit, you could yeah. get positions. This guy, not good enough to like even get a basic ass position. So he just has to take up copying books and shit to make money. For some reason, even though this guy's dumb as fuck, these really, uh, in I guess rich monks choose him to copy a sutra that is needed for the government to release the souls of a bunch of dead ghosts at the border, which seems like a really big deal to give to a regular ass schmo instead of somebody important. But they give it to him anyway, and then the monks send him to a ghost house. <laughs> They're like, you know where it's going to be a good place for you to relax? At the border where all the fighting was, and I have a friend there who I haven't talked to in a year. And well, they it's send like, him there. Yeah, it's like the American action movie where they, throughout the whole movie, everything the hero gets surprised by, you're like, they could have told them that. They knew that. Why did they do right. that? Yeah, How why come is, no one told him? Why are they totally unbriefed? Why isn't Captain know. Marvel helping? Think, no, <laughs> but why did, yeah, why, so why did, but why did his friend, it seemed like all this shit has, did it all happen a year ago? Like all the backstory that we learned way too late in the movie happened. I I didn't love the pacing of this movie. This movie is art. It's great as art, but as like a movie, it you put this movie on in like a really cool bar in the background. Like that's the whole point of this film. Yeah. Or if I, you ha- I, or if you're very interested in the genre and want to see see in real time the inventors of the building blocks of the genre inventing those building blocks but the, again that's why i bring it up that's a particular yeah. kind of film buff that wants to take that journey right fair fair play another note on structure i thought it was interesting that the like the similarities between western and eastern structures you know like which is something we talked about when you were mm-hmm. on for kung fu hustle and last for frame rate that you're on um <clears throat> If you notice, if you look at like how like a Western film would do this, they introduce uh, Melody, who is like spoiler alert, uh, you know, like she is the de- evil right, demon. She's the bad guy. She's yeah. a vengeful demon. She's a vengeful demon, and then they introduce Cloud, and Cloud. So in terms of the structure, right. Even though we do see Cloud earlier in shots, yeah. like and stuff, like Cloud's also a ghost. Yeah, he doesn't meet her until really wa- late. Late, which is mm-hmm. interesting because when you think about, like you were saying, uh, Red Riding Hood and just like classic fables and stuff like that. Usually, in Western culture, we try to present the stakes first, mm. and then we show the conflict. Like, it's something that in narrative structures we typically show, here's what you're fighting for, or here's what's the innocence, and then here's the innocence lost. This film does something where it's like, here's a woman who you think at first is probably innocent and not in control of her own destiny, but then you realize through haunting shots that she's actually the matriarch and controlling everything. I knew she was like a ghost from the beginning. Uh, well, that's why you're the powers. expert. Uh, no, the I scene, knew, but not. I'm the ghost expert. I, I mean, didn't know people were 
ghosts until the movie wanted me to. So I'm the ideal. Yes. Yeah, me neither. I, I, well, I didn't know they were ghosts, but I knew she was like the bad I knew guy. she was bad. I knew There's that. There's a yeah. haunting yeah. shot of right. her when they when the llama comes at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, when he arrives and they're like, ah, oh, there's like a vagrant. He's like here and he's just, uh, we got to get rid of him and he won't leave. And they interrupt the. It's the night where yeah. uh, our protagonist gets too hammered, and, and yeah, mel- yeah. And she's just like, "Ha!" Huh? Like I'm just right. like, they're basically talking about her destiny. They're like, "You should marry her. Right. You should tutor her, and stuff like that." And she doesn't seem to have any say. So you're like, "Okay, well, here's just this is what this is. This right. is this culture's version of gender politics." Yeah. And then she's like, "I'll take care of the vagrant." And there's this haunting shot where he like kind of looks over, and it's like a wider shot of her at the door and he, the llama is like basically just going crazy. He's like, it's like, you can't do this kind of stuff, but right. you can't hear exactly what he's saying. And she just steps forward and then he gets like kind of scared and he's like, ah, shit, I got to return to yeah. my, so, you know, over the cameras on her back and you know that she is terrifying. <laughs> Everyone yeah. is scared right. of her. And it's one of those shots that uh, makes me think of how East versus uh, West also does uh, the reveal of action, especially like whether it be martial arts or whether it be horror. They like to show it in the wide. We like to show it in the close in in like American cinema. It's right. very interesting. Uh, we usually try to show a close up of like the face of the haunt. Uh, mm. They like to show kind of it at a distance and a well. Remote. What we like is you show the person looking at it for a long time and then you snap to whatever they're looking at. Sure, and you hope yeah, for a yeah. shock. And of um, course, modern yeah. days, like everything blends into each other. Like I would say, The Ring has been influenced by American cinema, et cetera, right. et cetera. Oh, of course, I saw a lot of. Uh, there was a very. Uh, not that it's inspired by, but I just think great minds think alike. There was a Sam Raimi classic Sam Raimi Zoom montage. Uh, right. when the llama is being ensorcelled by Melody, just like um, zoom pump on an object, cut to yep. zoom pump on an object. And I was like, oh, that's quick in the dead. <laughs> um, yeah, which I is also, also Sergio Leone, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, isn't it great? Art is just a big puddle with a, a mannequin's head in it. Like appears that's at the a, end of this movie. Oh, God, that <laughs> that's was, the ending that of this haunting. film. Um, There's so, a severed head and a bubbling puddle. I, I, but, I smoke. Yeah, so bring smoke. something up just for the people who did listen to the Kung Fu Hustle one, and they're like, "Why? So why is Alex back? I guess this is a martial arts film. There is maybe nary an instance of martial arts in this movie. And King Hu is a really renowned martial arts uh, filmmaker. Like, come drink with me." revolutionize some of the techniques that people used you know yes. probably still to this it's day it's much more about drum magic and colored smoke magic and spells <laughs> yes it is yes. <laughs> he's so right about drum magic because drum most magic. of the most of the conflict in this movie is done by rad drum solos so right and they dude, even do a close up they, of like her doing it with, with just her, her two fingers, fingers and you're like oh my god the shot where she's dead and her eyes open and her tiny little fingers do the tiny little baby yeah. drum. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit. And That's then the, the llama, time. I love the the moment that blew my mind is the first time he's in danger from smoke. So he picks up his drum and throws it and it explodes into smoke. And I was like, yes. I didn't know it could do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. He, he didn't, didn't know. He did everything. So everything 
is everything is a ghost and a grenade and <laughs> yeah. a ghost and a ghost and a g- <laughs> who the llama is the one character where so I I know you guys both you both fuck with hallucinogens. Is that fair to say on this podcast? Or is this yeah, that's back in enough. the day? Yeah, you've I, done it once. Abe or twice. not for a while. Yeah. The the llama showing up and everyone being like, "Well, the llama's here." Felt like when you're that kind of high, where it's like, "Oh, the llama's here," and like no one's explained the llama. Nothing makes sense to me right now. But yeah. everyone's acting like the llama's just supposed to be here, and you all know the relationship well, with the llama. Yeah. And again, <laughs> yeah. this could be really. That's true. My... He's wearing his he's wearing his yellow garb. Yeah, like he's crazy. Ass he's hat. super out of place. Yeah, but isn't that only to our eyes? I could be revealing my ignorance, but I imagine. My guess, as I like absorbed it contextually, was that that must be a llama must have been a common sight at that time, and like a vicar in English culture. It's not so much the llama as a religious figure, like Uh, being in the neighborhood. That's not what threw you. (laughs) Fucking there, right? Because I mean, they also have like the Taoist abbot who's walking around, and then there's other Buddhist monks. Okay, yeah. He's just no one's ever like. The Taoist abbot, it makes sense why he's there. He's like Melody's teacher, and he also lives close by above Cloud's family's house, right? Like, he's uh-huh. he's a part of, he's an upstanding member of the ghost community. Like, mm-hmm. I know why the Taoist abbot is there in this story. I know right. why everyone else is there, but no one's ever like, oh, by the way, the llama lives down the street. Or like, and the, the llama moved here from Tibet. The llama's essentially Gandalf. Like, he saves the day yeah. he's the main yes. force that can stand against melody's evil magic um i, I really my hope, interpretation by the way. and it could be completely off base but i definitely wanted to bring it up um uh-huh. be, i thought the llama and the reverend and for a comparison point i'm gonna throw it to clash of the titans classic film uh, where it ke- ke- it's a fable involving mortals, but it kept c- kept cutting to the gods playing chess and arguing, and their win and loss in chess determines what happens on Earth. I thought that the llama and the reverend or abbot playing Go scene was a tip-off mm-hmm. that they're not ghosts, but are rather like positive energy and negative energy or the light side mm. and dark side of the force, whatever you have, what, what have you. Yeah. I, I and literally like, yin and yang. We're talking about a Chinese yeah, movie here. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like yin and yang, Jack Quigley's avatar is yin and yang. So there you go. Uh, but I thought potentially it was them. That's why they're the most powerfully invested with magic is they're like overseeing this and controlling oh. this. That's interesting. The abbot is a goat and a chicken, right? Or a goat and a dog? When he... What's that deal? They superimpose an image of a goat, which I actually thought was super effective. Reminded me of the witch, of course. When, uh, yeah, when in the flashback, when Melody... And the flashback is brutal, audience. Like, it's everyone just dying horribly. And then Mm -hmm. Melody is like, I uh, want vengeance on Cloud, right? For... Winning the love of the man I wanted, yeah, right. For taking her power, they're both they're both concubines, and she's like mm-hmm. the the chief concubine of this general. And general, yeah. And essentially, I'll is, sell yeah. my soul to you if right. you give me the power to be a, a demon, a magic ghost yeah. demon. Right. She <laughs> she runs away. She's exiled. Okay. Yeah. God, there's so much to this movie, man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
so our, our hero, right, is like he's been ensorcelled. He's had sex with two ghosts at this point, and then we finally get a flashback while there's a drum fight with a llama. Man, this movie is this movie is. I, I know I'm down talking this movie, but this movie is great. It's so silly. I really hope some people, by the way, are still think that we're talking about the hooved animal. Yeah, right. It's just a hooved llama in a hat. Yeah, from the, no. the emperor's new groove. Yeah, no, no. So there's Ape the pacha? middle of the. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right. There's, we're in the middle of the most climactic drum <laughs> solo battle mm. of the movie, and then the llama uses his powers to turn on a TV, which is, man, this is fucking fun magic. Yeah. So he uses his powers to turn on a TV that shows Melody her karma. Melody is the, the evil spider ghost. She's not a spider. I mean spider in that she entraps our, our stupid hero. She and she, we uh, get to see all the flashbacks that explain what's going right. on. Because they, yeah. they cut yeah. to her in, like, she laughs and it's like the web uh, as the soon spider, as they're yeah. like, as soon as they're like having their, you Dude, know, sex. marriage yeah. day. Yeah. Um, God, what a long sex scene. Anyway, yeah. anywho, um, you see in this flashback, Melody was uh, a concubine for the general. She's playing her flute and then the guy who becomes old Chong, who's just like this, you know, Quasimodo figure. Yeah, like feral. Right, feral. Uh, Mind controlled, yeah. Right. He he's a, he's a general's advisor, and he brings in Cloud, who's this other beautiful woman, uh, and Cloud upstages Melody. And she plays the flute Melody, even better, you guys. She Jethro tolls that shit. Yeah. 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 And that Melody can't stand. Her. You got to murder right. that person. No. Yeah. If the way that, how do you become the best flute player? You kill every other flute Kill player. all the other flute players, obviously. I thought it was Flout interesting aside. that they chose flute and drums because of the connotations of uh, drums being a militaristic uh, mm-hmm. instrument and flute being one of peace. It's interesting. The, I thought that the I thought it was just because they contrast so well. They contrast one so well, so but deep and one so. Rhythmic but when you and, think about the connotation, yeah, because yeah, right. I thought about it only because they gave the percussion instrument to the woman named Melody, which is not uh, yeah. So not that's a bizarre. Instrument. Yeah, it and, has and clouds emit Melody. thunder, which is like a drum beat. I think <laughs> my did I do it? Did you do it? <laughs> Uh, although speaking of music, the score is like awesome. It's like yeah. opulent and lush, and yeah. I love the score. Although there was a weird moment when the ghost, when they're having like the trial in front of the ghost wardens, and they're unmasking what that melody was so is. Weird. Yeah. The like techno score. Do you guys know the guy uh, Tipper, the EDM artist Tipper? I've probably heard some of this. Well, I do not. (laughs) Someone in the audience will know Tipper's Wobble Factor, and I'm just telling you, that scene sounds like a track off Wobble Factor. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Cool. Tipper's listening to this right now, and he's like, yeah, where do you think I sampled it? Alex Alex brought up psychedelics, which is the only reason to listen to EDM, so I rest my (laughs) (laughs) case. Or or if you have a crush on a DJ. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, these are all that, good reasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to unpack that, uh, but it happened, and I, I felt like I can relate to most 24-year-old women right out of college. Like, I hope this DJ notices me. Yeah. It's like, no, she won't. Um, uh, what, Let what me ask this. Yeah. We're talking about some biology. Uh, uh, were you guys as uh, excited as I was when... 
wire work, although I'm not sure wires were used. I guess in some shots there they was. had to be. There was. A, okay. There had to be. The there movie held off so yeah. long on introducing flips and shit. And when they finally right. started doing flips and shit, and I'm pretty sure some of the shots were done with just like kick-ass stunt people and trampolines. You know Definitely the shots trampolines. I mean. Yeah. And... I loved it. Like I got, I, I'm like, now we're in gear. Here we really? go. Really? Yeah. For me, because for me, I was like, finally. Like I thought. Actually, I felt a little betrayed. I felt like the movie had tried to be like, yo, we're not doing flips and shit. We're doing drums. This is a musical. Hmm. This is a musical right. movie. And then when they do pull out flips, I'm like, someone could have been flipping this whole fucking yeah. time. You lost me. Yeah. yeah. Here is here's I think something we modern viewers need to remember is that when you watch these old movies, I honestly think and I had this thought many times throughout in my modern lifestyle, mm-hmm. I'm annoyed that it took so long to get to what I consider the point even though my perspective on that could be skewed is skewed by my own background and upbringing and stuff, but uh, thinking back to 1979 you might just really appreciate that it's three hours long because it's like a nice way to spend an afternoon. You know what I mean? Like I, you hear stories of the Nickelodeon in America where the nice thing about it was you got out of the street, you got out of the heat, they played five hours of shit, and you went home. Star Wars was already out. <laughs> like, yeah, but like the, the, the I think pacing has changed. Films, but I'm going to argue this. The viewers of Chinese diaspora films, this was almost in the 80s. Like, Jackie Chan was doing shit by then, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. movies, even long wuxia movies, weren't three hours. Like, this was a deliberate choice. Weren't paced this way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, so he was a It's wuxia very, director. again, I'm going to say yeah. easy writer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, there were movies, like, Chang He, who we were talking about when I was doing Kung Fu Hustle, his movies are all, like, an hour and 20. You know, like the Venom's Mob films were coming out then. Like the audience knew quick cutting shit. You know, this yeah. was deliberate. Like I want to, I want to preempt a Miyazaki film with the slowness and the tactility mm. of my of this right. movie. Yeah, I, I love the credits of this film as well because it's just like. All right, here's some mountains. Going to titillate you with some good footage here. Uh Here's Oh, there's a flute. Oh, there's a little bit of drum. And then it just has his name on like, (laughs) boom. It just like fills up the entire thing. Uh, Yeah, this is what you're here for, baby. The balls on this guy. You know, he's like a three-hour epic. I think the whole movie felt very Tarantino in some ways. Very... um, yeah, indulgent and like very. Uh, I would love to hear you say that. High saturation. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'd get a huge nerd boner off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And probably do your weird things ass. to your feet. <laughs> Quentin, here's a who. <laughs> Loved it. Um, oh, here's the thing. So this is more of an Abe and Michael style uh, um, v- viewing tidbit. What's the observation that I had? View you guys bit. Are, view bit. Uh, so going into this movie, and I realized it was shot in Korea, um, but the fact that so many movies I had seen from that time period, especially movies set in uh, like older dynasties, take place on a lot. So seeing a movie, oh. like where that first shot, you see that waterfall, it's like, really? This is I honestly- awesome. I thought I was convinced it was Yosemite Valley, and people have been there like, like it looks a lot like Yosemite. It yeah. took a few shots from. I think to go, those no, shots are actually Taiwan. Uh, 
but yeah, it was shot yeah. mostly it was shot on mostly, loca- so the location. The, was Korea mostly. yeah, the border yeah. stuff. So basically, the whole movie was. Right. Shot I guess, and that's in- what I'm getting at is we're jaded. But if you look at this through 1979 eyes, you might indulge it because of that aspect in the way that in modern day you would indulge The Revenant, because that also has segments that technically are editorially loosely paced. But you're mm-hmm. like, I know, but look at this fucking footage of the snow. It's goddamn gorgeous. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like there was some aspect of this, if you can cast your mind back, of just being like, that is a nice shot of a waterfall. You're it's right. pretty. It's yeah, relaxing. Like, we have Attenborough <laughs> shit now, and like that, this did feel in a way like when you. So when you're talking about the musical interludes, right? When she's playing her flute, and we see all these beautiful like, I think Birds there's a little bit of like there's a bugs. there's a falcon that catches a frog or whatever. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, telling, yeah. but it's also a part of me felt like I was watching late 1970s uh, documentary. Like, yeah, absolutely. This is just, yeah. here's the beautiful footage I got with some nice flute. Like, you could relax. take out the audio yeah. and put Attenborough on exactly. it. It would sound exactly, it would look exactly the same. Exactly. Like great tracking shots of birds, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here it's, she plays the flute to ensorcel her prey. Yeah. <laughs> and that, but instead we have like, it's a shot of spider catching like casting its web and then literally melody going like ha ha ha, yeah. ha, ha and it's just like oh okay i see what you're doing there uh-huh. or that's going, not uh, obvious at all yeah. you should drink more of this wine i don't drink much wine right but this this is good wine you're yeah, gonna want to drink good. it he's like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it is good this wine. to eat and drink so much shit yeah. he doesn't want to eat and drink wine oh. mushrooms ghost pussy yeah. <laughs> I, jesus christ i also love that but yeah i I love that they thumbs up right now they have magic and they have to resort to bringing a mushroom and being like eat this mushroom he's like i fucking hate mushroom and they're like you gotta eat it though you're so hungry you should you look so pale you need mushroom (laughs) the power levels the power levels and power descriptions are not like anime or Western fantasy, like uh, Brandon Sanderson, where you know exactly what. Yeah. I don't know what no. a drum solo it's does. It's fairy tale. It's a fairy tale more. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fairy ghost tale. Uh, yeah. I. Did you guys see Crimson Peak? It reminded me of Crimson Peak. I did. What did you see in? What's similar? Crimson Peak was also a movie that I expected to be. I don't want to just reduce it to action-packed, but if you know what I mean, Crimson Peak was a spook show, and I expected there to be lots of spooks. And instead, it was this slow-paced meditation on ghosts in love. (laughs) And uh, in this film, I expected Mm. it to be akin to... Not akin to Kung Fu Hustle, because Kung Fu Hustle is so unique, but I expected it to be more in the vein of hero or... 13 assassins or something and it wasn't like one of his older yeah Yeah. it wasn't that until the last act and even then just a little bit and again i think it was very much more alice in wonderland or like an aesop's fable Mm -hmm. uh and i just yeah i think alex said asmr and i think that's right it's an asmr ghost story (laughs) (laughs) i want to ask a question on what you brought up because you're saying it's fably. Is there mm-hmm. fabulous? Fabulous. Fa- uh, fa- fabulous. It's, yeah. it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Yeah. What 
what are we supposed to learn from who I forget Ho? I forget what is uh, the protagonist. Is. Yeah, yeah, Mister like, Ho. He uh, yeah, with the doofus. Ho. Yeah, well, he's a real he, doofus. Yeah, he's an everyman hero who's like he's not bad. He's kind hearted. He helps people on when he sees them in danger. But like he's simple and easily fooled. And uh, I thought it was interesting that they make a point in Act Three. I mean, I don't know. In the last third of the movie, I'd have to figure out the how the acts actually break down. But in the last third of the movie, they make a point of saying like you could have a mate and a job and whatever. And he goes, I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> like he has no ambition whatsoever. He's your Seth Rogen, if you will, of this universe. And I, I found myself also befuddled by what was the moral. If there is a moral, yeah, because it seems more like Seth Rogen ate shrooms Went to Cirque du Soleil, saw some crazy shit, and went home. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree okay. with both of you guys. I Go mean, I, the Seth Rogen comment is fair, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Tongue but that's cheek, not an observation yeah. on the, the morality of it. I think it's very in part with a lot of the morality that we're seeing coming out of uh, Hong Kong at this time. Because it's a it's a return to, like, the basic balance of the world. It's It's overreaching ghosts. That's the problem, right? So there's this jurisprudence that the world will give you. There's rules to the game. And like, if for Michael, like when we talk about Coen Brothers, it's the anti-nihilistic kind of behavior of this, the, the film experiment. This experiment there, is, there is everything karma. returns to how it should be. Yeah. And if you try to overreach, you get smacked down. But the question that I have for is, what are we supposed to learn from the protagonist? Because he right, doesn't so like, do it. Right. Is the it that he? Doesn't. Is it that he survived and muddled through because he has no ambition, and that's how you avoid getting smacked down by karma? Is like no, just I be think humble. I, I, well, I mean, I don't know if he is a part of the moral fable. I think he is the pilgrim in Dante's Inferno. He I is think he's a, the witness. Yeah, he's just the witness. So he's just there as our lens into the story. Yeah, as he's us. he's the chorus. Yeah. He's the. Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't why this movie was a fun thing to have on in the background for me is like for me I'm more engaged if my hero is the llama or if my hero yes. is at least trying. The, our guy gets one, he gets one cool Naruto-style jutsu with his hands, mm -hmm. and that's his one weapon, and that's well, the it. Sutra, he uses it twice. The sutra, it's yeah, a sutra. The sutra that he's translating, he uses to ward off ghosts, which yeah. he can do. Yeah. Which he does but from afar. It. Right. You know, but, like, but I agree. Yeah. He's not if out there's fighting a, ghosts. No. If there's a moral parable, it has to be between Cloud and Melody. Yes. And, and old Chong and uh, I forget the name of the mother-in-law but like uh, how everyone Rainbow, reacted how everyone reacted to actress, yeah. Melody's tyranny yeah. is basically different lessons on tyranny is what I would get out of it I guess yeah I, but, I think it's the yeah. it's what war wrought it's like it's the actual worst person in the film is not seen it's the general you know or just the tragedy of the fighting that occurred here yeah, to create the, the trauma. Between the that, two din dynasties, yeah. Because the whole point of the sutra is to give peace to disturbed spirits. Mm -hmm. And it takes place on a bloody battleground that's a no man's land. I could buy that interpretation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's also don't fuck with ghosts. You know, it's a little bit of like you let 
this is a horrible thing that happened, but it happened. Don't try to change too much of it. Yeah. Or it's just going to cause more ghosts. It's just But like, I also... I guess it does. It lends that interpretation because it's so fairy tale like. But I don't necessarily require every story to have a moral. Yeah, I think that the that's goal actually could more have just of a been like aspect. here's an interesting spectacle, kill some time, enjoy right. yourself. That's a valid pursuit of film, I think. Yeah, I think it's the <laughs> assumption is like coming from us to be like a Hans Christian Andersen, like, and that's why you don't. That's why you leave a note, you know? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> From like my perspective, it looks like a fable and quacks like a fable. So I'm like yeah. trying to make it have an Aesop's like, and the moral is, don't blow a ghost if you don't know the toast, you know. But yeah. I don't think there's anything. I don't know that there's anything there in that sense. Right. Other than I agree, it's steeped in like the concept of balance and that there are forces that are gonna like sort this out one way or another. <laughs> it does seem like a foregone <clears throat> conclusion. Like things will be righted by the end. Right. I also want to see, I want to hear what you guys think uh, about, like, how do you, what do you think this movie is lampooning about society? Is it making any commentary on how people are? Like, well, it's a period I, piece. It's a per- I think, I mean, the, the main driver of the film is a woman who wants too much. Right. Um, wait, that's, that's not me saying that. No, yeah, um, absolutely. I think... I think, yeah, I think if we're, and this ties back to what we were Mm -hmm. just saying, the lesson of the film is that Melody gets punished. Yeah. And she does by, like, getting her head blown off in that weird, gross puddle (laughs) at the very end. Mm -hmm. But that seems to be, if this movie's lampooning anything, is it, uh, I don't know. I I didn't feel like the movie was really lampooning anything. I I don't feel like we're equipped with enough knowledge to answer that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe I don't not. know about maybe Chinese not. I just, culture circa 1979 enough. I just look that, at it and I, mean? I see like she's tricking a man to become a husband. She's the villain of the film. The other woman in the film this has the These salvation. These are common things though. These in, are common, in, yeah. Um, like a lot of this felt like the Monkey King. Right. Where mm. there was yes. a, a lot of ghosts try to. That was a comment that I found is that. It seems, based on these two points that I have now, this movie and Journey to the West, that ghosts and sexy demon women really want to sleep with the most boring men possible. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> which is maybe that's just those hey, two points of interest. Or maybe it's I the like writers. those odds. Yeah, yeah it's because <laughs> writers are boring. Writers are really boring. Um, but the, the like trying to make somebody marry you is uh, something that comes uh, up in Chinese fiction. Yeah, that fully point explains is the uh, Ghostbusters blowjob of Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like, this is the only way I'm getting laid, right, you guys. Right. <laughs> I think it's it's just interesting to note because I'm not trying to pass judgment or anything, but I just like to look at historical films uh, or you know at least films of a certain age uh, as they reveal the fears and tropes of the culture that made them. And this per- this yeah. is a film made by a particular culture at a particular time. It makes me look at things like that are coming out now. Like we just saw Us, Parasite came mm-hmm. out a few months ago. Like we're seeing a revolution of horror in our own regard uh, where we, the what is horrifying is like we're starting to 
that the villains are starting to be more occupied by like rich white people, for example, right. or capitalism mm-hmm. as a as a thing. Right. And I was wondering that on the Eastern philosophy of filmmaking, if there is a parable. This movie doesn't seem to lampoon anything other than the overreaching ghosts who happen to be, in in this case, happens to be a woman. Right. Which might well, be a commercial or capitalism thing, because Hong Kong was a capitalist yeah. country, still is, but uh, principality, not principality, someone smarter than me will tell me the word that I'm looking for and mm-hmm. just pretend I was smart. And um, speaking <laughs> of rich white guys... And people smarter than Alex, I, Michael Swaim, <laughs> have to go. Oh, yeah. So, we did terrible yeah. planning, yeah. so we're actually No, no, no. We this. started a little late today, and I'm going to address this directly to Mr. Quigley, if that is your real name. I love it. <laughs> Jack, I'm sorry I have to duck out a little early due to my new job. I actually yeah. have to conduct another interview right now at this time. So if you want $12 back uh, from your patronage let us know and, and we'll make that happen but everyone listening abe and alex are gonna see you through it was so nice talking to you guys yeah man uh, you yeah, have a good one see yep. you man talk to you later yeah we'll take you home the last 15 minutes um yeah it's um i thought i thought that the the aspect about it like essentially being like if you're gonna t- make a horror movie, sometimes like now it's it's more of just like let's make a horror movie. I don't know what's scared. Like you see that like lights out or whatever. You know that was like a Reddit thread that someone made like a GIF and then they turned a GIF into a movie essentially. You know like that yeah. that is how horror works now. Baby. Horror did not always work that way. If you look like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Night of the Living Dead, right. even on the West Side of Things in American cinema, it was a lot of very specific targeted like this is the problem right now it was like mccarthyism you know it was like red scare i don't know if i would call this uh, is it fair to call it a horror movie it's certainly spooky but like is that too much of our it's not a horror yeah you're right it's i mean it's a it's a ghost tale yes but it's not a horror movie in terms of like atomically what it's like it's not what it's termetically doing the entire right. time. Um, you're absolutely the, right about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I felt like fable was the closest thing we had right. the words for. Because there's some spooky shit. Like uh-huh. at the end when he goes into the inn and that one guy pulls his wife's arm off. It's That, that almost feels like uh, a, a Nightmare Before Christmas where it's kind of like fun. Um, mm. But... There, this feels more fabulous in that sense that it's the ghosts are the settings, but they could be gods or fairies or demons or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. they're they're more of like archetypes of like people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Have you ever seen a uh, Kundun? The oh Scorsese? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it. I think he was aping this movie a lot yeah it's a completely different story it has to deal with a young child who's becoming the dalai lama but um and it's historical it's a historical film but it does have these long it has these elongated edit segments where it like basically just tries to I'm going to reveal and show like the majesty of nature, but then you're going to see that and you're going to think something different the next time I show it to you. For example, because it's like, 
it, there's times in that movie where uh, you're supposed to just take in the majesty of nature and mm-hmm. be like, this is beautiful. What a great countryside. And then there's other times where, depending on where he is on his journey, he's like, but what is he really protecting? Like, this is just land. It can right. be, it's not worth the bodies that are, you know, like, it's not worth it, like, the fighting that's going to come just because you want to be your own person and you're also a king, mm-hmm. you know, kind of idea. Uh, this movie, I want to know if from the get-go that <clears throat> the direction of the film is, like, we're going to tell you fairly early that there was, like, a horrible, horrible fight. It was at this border. Many, many people died. Go over there. <laughs> And then yeah. when I go over there and then the first thing you show me is like sparrows flying and beautiful brooks and stuff like that. Is that supposed to be me thinking about like, well, time moves on and nature don't give a fuck. Or am I supposed to look at it and go like, this is a graveyard. This is a horrifying footage. Wow. Like, what are we a, supposed to look at? That See, that shows you to be a more engaged watcher than me. <laughs> for me watching it, I was like, Oh, I guess the battle happened like a little ways past, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was like, oh, the battle for me it was watching. I what I like a lot of movies from Hong Kong that are usually filmed on like a set, and so right, a lot right. of times so they, when you watch those movies, it's like, oh, they did the best they could, right? And so right. I guess I was giving that's him why I thought the same thing. Whereas like, oh, he just he put the battlefield off. Camera, right? Tr- trust me, there was a battle, and so I no, didn't put two. No, and two he together. shot on a location for a reason, right? You know, like yeah. I wouldn't be like I. He probably used a different like monastery kind of a thing. Like he, they probably shot at a different spot, but right. that is literally like they're they're shooting at a. They're shooting at a battlefield, essentially. Yeah. Uh, they they were very particular in where they chose the locations, huh. uh, and I thought I thought that that was very, like, are we supposed to think something's wrong with this place? Because it looks beautiful. Right. It's it's gorgeous shots, like Michael was saying. It like feels like Crouching Tiger or something yeah, like no, that, it's, or it's you know, like yeah, the cinematography for the time. Uh, cause it's not, it doesn't look as color corrected and, you know, or something that we're used to, but when you watch it, uh, and I thought that, I, I thought that easy rider was a good reference one of you guys made, but, um, it definitely had this feeling of when you look at it, like they had to get up at the perfect moment right. in order to get the sun cascading over the fog cascading over like an owl you know like it's like holy shit and they're just like walking through the picture and it's just like well they got the shot they must have been there like be way before they must have gotten there at midnight and got the shot at 6 a.m and then they were (laughs) and that that was the day yeah see that adds a whole nother color because i i was purely thinking about the story and the action of it and not the technicality uh, as a piece of the story, right? What is what is the technicality telling you? I, I didn't look for that because I guess I watched it with my modern lens. Like mm-hmm. it would be like someone from maybe twenty forty watching James Cameron's Avatar, being mm-hmm. like, "Okay, sure, so yeah, what's this? You're not story? getting this the right. nuance." Yeah. I think that's why. I think this is the re. This is the reason the credits were, were what they were. I think this for him was a different caliber of movie right he wasn't used to making it and so and he felt that he knocked it out of the park and yeah. so he's like here's me like a realer version of me 
like as a director, here's like I'm good at this old thing. Here's right. my I'm spreading my wings. Over it is here. one of his later films. Yeah, so this exactly. Is like, yeah, uh, an opus of sorts. Yeah, and so. I always wonder about that because then you, when you take any artist, right. as transformative as the career may be, at a certain point when they get old, they know what they're good at. Yeah. I mean, Sullivan's Travels, if you've ever seen that, is exactly about this. That's like the Howard Hughes, or is it Hawks? Yeah, it's Howard Hawks film that is about like a director who makes comedies all the time. And he makes uh, he makes comedies and uh, uh, musicals, and they're like, "What's the next one? What's the next yeah. one?" He's a lister, and he's right. like, "I think I'm gonna go just like go back home to like where I grew up, and just like I don't know, just amble for a while and just see where it takes me." And it causes a whole like scuffle kind of plot. You know, he gets put yeah. in jail and stuff like that. And one of the end of the movies is he the end of the movies he's watching. Uh, in prison, he's watching one of his films because they get to watch a film every now and then, all the inmates. Yeah. And he realizes that the greatest gift that he gave to the entire world was the fact that when he looks around, all the inmates are laughing. He was very good at comedy. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, oh, the thing that I was searching for. I wonder what a director who transforms late in their career to such an extent away from a thing that they're usually known for, what yeah. they look at that. That's Although a journey. I wonder if, if we... If you and I sat down right now and we started we with, <laughs> if you and I, I'm squatting. Yeah, oh, yeah I don't yeah. have a chair under me. Uh, <laughs> if we started with, I forget if Dragon Gate or Come Drink with Me was his first, but like we started with one of his first movies. We started with his first movie and we just power through them, uh-huh. right? With like one or two breaks to the bathroom. Would we have? Is this movie potentially the end of a process? Or was there ever that? Okay, I'm not I, doing. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm not yeah. doing it anymore. Now I'm. I want. Make, I wonder. Right. I'm gonna basically make like nature documentaries. Right. Because he had to make a decision, and this is what his decision was: was this movie. Right. He had to make a decision. It's this much wire work. It's this much. Right. The story's not making room for martial arts really at yeah. all. Yeah. I'm gonna. What are What are they fighting with? Drums? You're telling me drums? Yeah. But then he also had to. He also had to make the decision of like, but there should be a fight at the end because it would be weird if I didn't have a fight at the end, you know? So like he made these weird hedged decisions and like, like, I don't know that I found that very fascinating. What, what do you feel like it would be like to be an audience member going into this when, so like we've seen crazy, like we've seen Dr. Strange where it's visually stunning and the music is crazy and it's like takes you to another place right but that that's not there yet right like the colored smoke effects they're working with are pretty great for the time mm-hmm. the reverse can't like people flying because they're falling yeah backwards. but it was 40 years ago. right 40 yeah. years ago and the crazy drum solos and stuff do you think this could have felt like a movie like that like the type of movie that you see and it's so overwhelming that you're just taken somewhere else. And you don't care about the story. Yeah, I, I can't. I like. I don't think either of us could say because we right. also don't know what. Like, I don't actually know who this like was for. Like when this started playing, like who actually was going to see this, right. and what those markets were like, and if there was any nuance to like. You don't go to those films if you're this or yeah. something like that. But because it's still foreign to me. But 
I understand the very concept of like when we talk about like great train robbery or something like that, or like yeah. trains coming at you in a theater and people going like, oh fuck, oh shit, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, there is some remove, but like at that point we had gotten through like the film grammar issues, right? They knew they were watching a film. Obviously, it's not, it's it's almost the eighties, but at the same time, uh, this type of slow meditative film, they're getting some kind of like. American new wave kind of stuff coming in and you get a lot of this kind of like, well, where do, where do you place this film in the pantheon of like, of martial arts films and also just like Chinese cinema? It's like a very bizarre one yet. It's, I think it's Criterion Collection, right? I, uh, it might not be, but it definitely has been remastered, uh, on Blu-ray. Yeah, no, I, uh, losing my mic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't know where it fits. I'm just more talking about the sensual experience oh, yeah. of watching this movie. Because I it wasn't particularly sensual to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen movies that were far more captivating mm-hmm. in, in sensual now, but like in nineteen seventy nine, when there hadn't been that yet, do you think the drum solos could have like done shit for you? Like do you think it would have I think he was going for that okay. so very much because if you notice, like, so he edited it as well, right? right? So, and one thing about the editing that you'll notice, it's a trope of editing that we do a lot now, which is that sometimes he'll take the audio of the scene and then when we cut to a next scene, abruptly everything will, like, the life, the air, everything, the sounds uh-huh. of that world will jump to something quiet. And now you're just in, like, a, a grove with, like, someone and, like, or there's like a distant waterfall or something right. like that. But what you were just hearing was really loud drums or something like that. Uh, so that that uh, s- that juxtaposition is jarring. Mm-hmm. He does that so many times in this movie. And also, if you notice, everything is ADR'd because he wanted to make sure that uh, all of the lines of the characters were very, very close and personal, which is very off-putting when you listen to it. Like, there's times that there's a character who's very distant, but he sounds like this. He's right up on the microphone. And it's just like, that's very strange. That's a strange choice. Uh, So he definitely wanted to give... He wanted to delight the senses at the very least and was making a crazy effort to do so. So I think it could have been. Uh, now whether it succeeded or not, that's up to that viewer. Right. I don't, I, I can't, I can't take myself back to yeah. that time. No, I don't have that know. power either. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I imagine that's what he was doing. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, okay. Here's a question that I think you will have, uh, an actual good answer for that isn't about like, Usually it's my me asking the questions to the guests. <laughs> Do you think he like kills this. himself at the end? Do you think he what? Do you think uh, Ho Yuching, I think is his name. Do you think he kills himself at the Kills end? himself. That's an interesting... Because that last <clears throat> shot is him walking to the ocean, and he and just then, keeps walking, and, and then, then he stops. He stops. And the end. The end, yeah. Uh, I didn't think he killed himself. That was my takeaway. My takeaway, for some reason, is that it was like he since he's because I very much so thought of him as the pilgrim, right. like the Dante's Inferno, like just going through hell. Uh-huh. Uh, but he comes out at the end and he's changed because he has to tell the story and the story is told to us. Right. So like that is 
how my brain worked with that. But I, so I never even thought about the prospect of suicide. But it's true. Why have it on a rock? Right. At an ocean. At an ocean. I thought it was to once again enjoy the majesty of nature, and also maybe there's that to show if he's at an ocean, he got through the border. Right. Like there is. He's no longer there. He's yeah. <laughs> completely different space. What's a good way of showing that? I don't right. know, the ocean. Yeah, um, you're you're right. That that might be the answer to it, but it did definitely That's an interesting observation. look like he was considering, he was considering it. Considering suicide yeah. or something. I I here's my thing is I yeah. think that if he I think if the I think if um they wanted that to be the implication. I think they would have gone out of their way a little bit more to do that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because it's so ambiguous. Yeah. It's a single shot at the end. It's kind of finished. It's at the tail end of the score finishing. Right. It's kind of like just a bookend. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. This has been a f- fascinating conversation, actually. I love these. I love these films. Uh, the older ones, I mean. Yeah. The older films for frame rates. I, I hope that some people are look at this and go like, I would never watch it in a million years. You know what? I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Uh, because I definitely think that people should. Uh, it's not a movie for everybody. It's not, you don't have to watch the three hour version. There is a two hour DVD cut, but I highly suggest the three hour version for just like meditative cinema type of stuff, you know? Yeah. It's definitely go a grab good, a bag of weed and grab it. Yeah. It's good to get, get a little stony and, watch it or have it on in the background of a party because it's beautiful mm-hmm. it is beautiful or put on the first hour and a half to fall asleep mm-hmm. because the asmr is terrific yeah it really is yeah. it's it's uh it's definitely a trip um well yeah without fil- further gilding the lily i want to hey where do we find you online hey. like tell uh <laughs> tell everyone where to see you because you're uh, an interesting fucking guy oh stop it uh <laughs> flattery will get you some places yeah, some um, places. so just to just to reiterate so my name is alex schiffman um you guys can find me right now mostly on instagram at a period f period schiffman um i host and produce along with two other people a live science and comedy show called science the show and we've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, but we're coming back we've got we typically are in LA we've got a show at the West Side Comedy Theater in Los Angeles on January 30th and i believe tickets are up at their site but if you live in San Francisco we actually have our first ever away show um on the 14th of February, that's Valentine's Day, and we have the best guest. Her name is Dr. Seema Yasmi, and she is an Emmy Award-winning journalist. She's also a doctor, um, and she does a lot of work with tracking diseases and disease spread, but she also does work with uh, tracking how misinformation and disease spread, and so she's going to be talking about trust as a part of love and romance and disease. And uh, I also have a new project coming out called Thoughts on the Rocks. Myself and Alex Danis, who's an incredible science communicator, uh, got three of our favorite scientists together, um, a neuroscientist, a uh, microbiologist, and the quantum physicist who's the Marvel Science Advisor. And we got a bartender to teach them how to make a drink while they were talking about... the theme of the drink. So this theme for the first episode is around heat. So if you watch it, you will learn how to make the drink and you'll also learn a bunch of interesting things about the concept of heat. And that isn't out yet, but if you go to T-O-T-R show, 
at Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. You can find us there, and we should have something up by the end of the year, and if not, early January. We've got some other really crazy cool science projects coming out too, but I can't tell you about them quite yet. That's such a great idea for a show. I love that. Uh, I hope you guys... You should... (laughs) We'll talk later. Yo. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you around. You're you're such a fascinating guy to talk to. Um, yeah, and thank you for doing this for us. Any time, guys. If there's any other movies that are even Not necessarily just, martial arts, just adjacent to martial arts, throw them at me because I I I always <laughs> want to expand my horizons. So this was real great. Uh, yeah. Thank you so. Or if you just want to like put on Kid with a Golden Arm and have us talk about that, oh, I could talk about that all day. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a uh, really fun movie. Well, thanks again. Uh, that's a frame rate. And on behalf of Michael and myself, who's present in front of you with the microphone right now, thank you for listening. Bye bye. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!